At its initial premiere at the 2016 Sundance Film Festival, Swiss Army Man had some audience members walking out of the screening, citing the film's bizarre concept and unconventional storytelling. And these facts are hard to argue, as the story of Paul Dano talking to a farting corpse played by Daniel Radcliffe definitely isn't everybody's cup of tea. However, somebody saw its rich thematic value as the film was purchased by independent film juggernaut A24 for domestic distribution. While the film did not go on to become an international phenomenon, those lucky enough to stumble across it have found it to be a surprisingly moving and well-acted film, if not charmingly strange. And in a film such as this, it can be difficult to understand what's going on underneath all the idiosyncrasies and juvenility, but truthfully, that's wherein lies the film's strengths. So why don't we let it all rip, as today we ask Swiss Army Man, what's it about? I'm your host, Ricardo Blade Diaz. And I'm Seth Crow, And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, the show where two aspiring creatives aim to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. Seth, how you doing today? I'm swell, bro. I'm swell. You're swell. Good word. Swell. Swell, swell. So, yeah, man, um, just right off the bat, uh, so I this was my choice um, of film, and it personally, just to kind of let everybody out there know, this is one of my favorite, like, kind of, like, more smaller, independent, kind of off-the-beaten-path films. Uh, I saw it uh, right when it came out in 2016, and it's definitely been a film that's stuck with me ever since. Um, so I just wanted to get your your quick thoughts, man, on, like, the, the movie itself before we kind of jump into – you know, our whole like, uh, structure here. Uh, I mean, honestly, like this movie has quickly, it, it's, it may have entered my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Uh, yeah, I love this film. Um, and I think it's, I, I mean, for a lot of reasons, um, it's my style. Uh, it, there's, you know, it's using comedy, and dark comedy in a way that is, I think, revealing a very brilliant message. Um, and I think it's also just at the same time hit me at a good point in my life where it, like, I feel very, very tied to what this film is saying. And um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Awesome. You know, you know, there, uh, when you're a big film fan, like a film uh, person, like, like we are, um, people ask you for recommendations all the time. People are like, Oh, like, uh, what do you think of this? Or what do you think of that? Or can you recommend films for me? And this is one of those films that I definitely don't recommend to everybody. Cause it is not for everybody, but it's one of those films that I feel very personally, you know, it's one of those films that I feel very like close with for some reason. And so it's like, whenever you share one of those movies with somebody like, Hey, I think you should watch this. It's almost like you're sharing a little part of yourself type of thing. And so like you, you get a little bit nervous that they won't like it because then are they saying like they don't like something about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's so, like you hide my farts. You hide your farts. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're hiding exactly. your farts. Yeah. And so this movie's weird. It's weird. And it's like if you like sell someone that you love this movie and they're like, this movie is disgusting and, and gross and weird and I don't like it. They're they're saying so, – it almost feels like they're saying something about you. Like you should hide this, that you like this. <laughs> yeah. So, no, so yeah, I, I, I put it out there to you and now I'm putting it out there for other people to listen to, hear that this film personally connects with me. And they're, who knows? They may comment like, oh, that Ricardo's weird. <laughs> and that's okay. I don't mind being weird, but. Uh, well, I mean, that's what this movie's about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I, I think this 
film is a really great vehicle to talk about humanity and to talk about what it means to be human. And I mean, we, we should, we should start from the beginning though. Cause like yeah. I could, I could really just dive oh, yeah. into this. Oh yeah. I, but yeah, I, I just wanted to like touch base and see like how you felt about this film. Yeah, no, we're, we're definitely on the same page. Awesome. Um, and, uh, uh, I'm sure we're going to get real personal. Oh yeah. That's all I guess. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think we are. Oh, so before we get into uh, uh, talking about uh, this film, uh, I just would like to give a you know a, war- a trigger warning to to people. So this film has some very dark themes and some very dark things that happen in it. So um, we're probably going to end up discussing mental illness, uh, su- suicidal ideations. Um, there's uh, potentially homosexuality. So like there's some triggering things in this film that we're probably going to there's talk about. Allusions to pedophilia. Yes. And necrophilia. Yes. So trigger warning to everybody out there. This film, like I said, is not for everybody. It is very it can be very uncomfortable at times. Uh so if any of that stuff triggers you guys up, we just want you to know uh before we really get into the film itself here. So uh you have been informed. All right, now let's move in. So let's talk about how this film came to be. Uh, it was co-written and co-directed by the, a, the Daniels, uh, Daniel Scheinert and Dan Kwan, as they call themselves as a collective, Daniels. Um, they Their filmography is not very big. They uh, have directed an episode of Legion. Aquafina is Nora from Queens. Uh, they're really more known for their music video work. They've directed some music videos for Foster the People, The Shins, Tenacious D. They directed the Turn Down for What music video, uh, if you've seen that. <laughs> that really like famous uh, video uh, turn, for Turn Down for What. Uh, and uh, a few videos for the Manchester Orchestra, who actually composed an aca- the acapella score for this film, which I think is really cool. Uh, but mostly we are watching this film today because they have a new film coming out called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, which is like a looks like it's gonna be some kind of like trippy psychedelic action film, which I'm really excited to see. Uh, so that's why we are uh, watching uh, Swiss Army Man today because this was their directorial uh, debut. Um, so that's how this film came into being. It was they it was kind of developed. So Daniel Shiner, uh, ha- his father made a, a fart joke of some sort, um, and uh, th- apparently they got into a conversation of how could like a fart joke be like a little bit more. Uh, uh, like reflective in a way, like how can you, how deep can you possibly make a fart joke as far as how much it can mean? Uh, and then uh, he brought on his his writing partner Dan Kwan, and they developed the story uh, over a, a, a several years uh, of rewrites uh, to try and really add depth to this to this running fart joke. Basically, they they've said that their goal in this film was to have the first fart of the film make you laugh and the last fart of the film make you cry. That was their their goal, um, and I think they did a pretty good pretty good job of that goal. I think they got as close as you could possibly get. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, and uh, so Daniel Radcliffe has said that this is his favorite film in his filmography uh, that he's ever done. I think. I think personally, I think the fact that he did this movie after Harry Potter like validates him as an actor so much oh not just this movie like that and then like horns if you've ever seen horns is another one where it's like a really dark well i haven't seen horns but this was before that right this was before Horns. i want to say they were around the same time let me double check that 
Um, Horns, no, Horns was first. Horns was 2013. Okay. okay. Well, I will say so, there is like this um, meta commentary on Daniel Radcliffe playing a corpse. You know, like it's like you're about to kill yourself, and Harry Potter shows up. Show the corpse of Harry Potter just is like there on the beach, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it's like you can't not see Harry Potter mm. when you see him, and he knows that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's, I think there's something really cool about him choosing to do that to kill, almost to kill, to kill Harry. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like this, it, this will it, almost, almost certainly, like if you see this movie, you, whenever you think of Daniel Radcliffe. You will think of Harry Potter, but you will also think of this movie. Like, yeah. it's impossible. It's impossible not to look at Daniel. Like, for me, whenever I see Daniel Radcliffe, yeah, of course, I think Harry Potter first. But then right after that is this farting corpse movie. <laughs> like, it's right behind it. It's just yeah. an image yeah. that sticks with you, man. I think it's a brilliant way to, like, get to like get your career back in a way. Yeah, like, it was so, so yeah. good. And something that I thought was really cool about Daniel Radcliffe in this movie is they had, like, a, a you know, like a doll – version of the of manny that they were expecting to use for most of the movie um except for like close-ups and things like that but daniel radcliffe said no like i'm gonna do as much as i possibly can like other than like some of the really really dangerous stunts even then he was the one like throwing the doll around and stuff like that he like refused to like like not like do it he's like i'm gonna be this corpse as much as i possibly can that's like, awesome. You guys aren't taking this away from me. So I think that says so much about him as an actor and so much about his his integrity in that way, which I think is really cool. Um, and then uh, just the last, I think, a little funny thing. Oh, uh, something really cool. The film score was actually finished before the film was shot. So, like, uh, they had that actual music on set that they were listening to and they could oh, wow. go along with and then be paired together. Um, and Daniel Radcliffe was like, that's like the first time that's ever happened. That never happens. That the score is done before the film is shot. Um, so they had such a clear image of what this film was supposed to be when they started directing, which I thought was interesting. I mean, the artistic vision behind it is genius. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's a genius film. Um, it's it what it, like I think it accomplishes what it's trying to accomplish so absurdly and profoundly. And there's just moments like, I mean, like I said, I don't want to like we, I don't want to put the car before the horse or whatever. But we're almost there. <laughs> yeah, but like the scene, the bus scenes with, you know, with uh, I forget the guy. The other, what's the other actor's name? Paul Dano. Paul Dano. Uh, with Paul Dano dressed up as Laura, or Sarah. I'm sorry, Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. Uh, dressed up as Sarah. He calls, her, he calls her Laura Dern at one point. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what confused me. Um, uh, dressed up as Sarah. Like, it's like, though they're, though they are two men, it does not feel gay in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like it, it feels like the femininity of the play reads through, you know, mm-hmm. and it accomplishes the feelings that, like, uh, it, it's cool. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, not that there's any, like, I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it being gay if it's gay. I'm just saying it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like a same sex uh, encounter. You're right. It, it, do, it, it rides that line though. And ha- a handful of times, like I think they want to play with that a little bit without actually fully like, cause there is that question that we'll get into a little bit. Cause I even, I even put that in my notes of like, 
what do you think about that? Do you think that's something that they're saying? Or do you think it's just a little bit more like a little bit more fluid? We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but the last thing I want to say is that this film is absurd. And it is, like I said, people at Sundance, when it originally filmed, people were walking out of this movie because it, some some people just can't get behind it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. To the point where they were seeking, uh, you know, sponsorships and brands to have in the film, especially because there's so much potential for product placement with like all the, the trash and everything that's around in the movie. Um, they got rejected by every brand except for one. Do you know? Do you remember which one it was? Cheese Puffs. Well, no, that Cheese Puffs was a generic fake brand, oh. but it was it was Hostess. There were, there was a Twinkie box and there was a cupcake oh. box. In this film, and because Hostess uh, apparently, after they uh, did Zombieland, received a big bump in their sales, so they almost will accept a, a sponsorship from anybody. They'll wow. they'll put their stuff. They'll do brand sponsors in anything. Almost that's what has been said about them. <laughs> so Hostess is like, yeah, put put our stuff in your Fighting Corpse yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's Hostess. <laughs> I told my parents to watch this movie. No, I why? Know, I don't know. I was like, look. It's weird. Like, it's a weird movie, but but the message is awesome. Mm-hmm. And Oh, uh, I think, honestly, my family could you, could do to see this movie, but I don't yeah. think that they would like it. Like, my dad would not like this movie. The first thing my dad would say is, I don't get it. It's like, of course you don't get it. It's about you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, I think maybe my sister might be able to get behind it she might think it's weird she might be able to like really find something in it but i'm not sure um my uncle might he might be like it's weird but i kind of enjoy it um but yeah i don't think my family would would necessarily buy into this movie because if you're very off if you're watching it for if you're trying to watch it and understand it for realism you're not gonna like it no you know what i mean if you're expecting yeah to like follow along and logic how this is happening you're not going. Oh through. no, yeah, it it is very like the edges of what is re- actually happening in this film are very blurred. Like you're not sure exactly what fully is actually happening and like what isn't. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um but uh that's how this film came into being. Uh it it was just kind of started off as like a a, a thought experiment of how can you make a, a fart joke meaningful and and deep. Uh, and turned into, I think, this wonderfully charming film, in my opinion. Um, but let's head on into what is it? What is it? What is this movie? So we're going to go into the summaries of this film. So if you haven't watched it yet uh, or you just need a little reminder, this is what the movie is. So I got the two summaries here, Seth. You ready to play the game? I am. Okay. So here is the first summary. Being stranded on a desert island leaves young Hank bored, lonely, and without hope. A rope hangs around his neck. Hank prepares to end it all until he suddenly spots a man laying by the shore. Unfortunately, he is dead and quite flatulent. Using the gassy body to his advantage, Hank miraculously makes it back to the mainland. However, he now finds himself lost in the wilderness and dragging the talking corpse named Manny along for the adventure. That's the first summary. The second summary. A hopeless man stranded on a deserted island befriends a dead body, and together they go on a surreal journey to get home. Thank you, IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. 
Which one is which, right. buddy? All right, I'm gonna say I'm gonna swap my thinking and say that the short one was IMDb this time. You're right. Okay. You nailed it. Good job. Maybe we should start pulling in some other sites too, just to just make it even more difficult for you. And you have to, <laughs> so you have to find the IMDb within it all. Good job, man. So yeah, that's what this movie's about. It's about a sad guy finds a dead body, and they have an adventure. That's that's the, the that's the the boiled down concentrated version of this plot. But it is now time to talk about the main question: why we are actually here doing the podcast. Seth, what's it about? So much. I think it's about it's about the nature of humanity. It's pretty broad. Yeah, it's about the nature of humanity and how. Our me our 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 adaptations to survive has have actually hindered us from seeing the truth about our own species mm-hmm. and um, how if we kind of broke down those social mores and social boundaries that we would actually be able to evolve more. I think mm-hmm. um, uh, there's just like. There's just this movie saying, so we are the corpse in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, and the corpse is a metaphor for uh, Paul Dano's character in real life, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like Manny represents us figuring out how to do this thing called life. You know, Mm -hmm. like, it's almost like a child learning to speak again, like him taking him through like bringing him back to life Mm. and explaining how the world works. Um, And that's just, it's, we are basically in a walking corpse trying to figure out how to drive it, you know, Mm. and then trying to, to navigate what, (laughs) what these powers are, our body has, you know, and uh, I, I just, I, I, I love that. I love the metaphor because, this this movie's so profoundly sad. I mean, like, there's so much, like, it's beautiful and it's sad, and it's it's like I think what what we should be talking about as people. Mm. Like, I think this movie is is saying things that need to be said in a brilliant way, um, but it they're hard things to say. You know, mm. they're not easy to say. Um, this yeah, I, this film is such. I think as a as okay, looking at it as a writer, this film is brilliant in its symbolic representation of themes, right? Yeah. Like the way it boils down and concentrates a theme into a thing that everybody can see, and I'll get into that a little bit more a little bit later. But like you're right, like Manny is such a clear representation of of us in a way, you know, of that we, this, this part of us that's dead. Right. And like, they're like, okay, like there's a part of us that gets killed off as we, as we get older. Right. And, and they're like, okay, how do we represent that symbolically? Oh, why don't we actually show a dead body? Like, it's like, it's the most obvious, but also the most effective way to symbolically represent that thing. Right. Yeah. 
and it's it's brilliant and this film does that in, in a few different uh, aspects that i'll get into a little bit later but like it's i i honestly it's something that i can take away from as a writer and like okay how do i be a little bit more technical with how i i display my themes and how i you know show things symbolically as opposed to like having characters say it um yeah you know, how do i represent it with, without words um this film i think is a great uh reference for that kind of stuff i i agree and i think what what was cool for me was i was expecting nihilism right like mm-hmm. i was expecting uh, I, my unfortunately my only association with paul dano other than this is uh um, Little Miss Sunshine, right? And in that, he uh, he's like very he's like this nihilistic kid. He's reading Nietzsche the whole time, mm-hmm. and so like I was like, okay, this is a, a movie about a guy playing with a corpse. Uh, I'm betting there's some Nietzschean themes that are going to be presented, and it, like so that was my association going into this. But I don't think this movie is nihilistic. Uh, I think it's absurdist for sure. But I think, I think, I think there is like an existential hopefulness to what's being said in this movie. Um, maybe, you know, it's it's still a little unclear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it definitely well, it, evokes hope. It's yeah. You know? It's the ending is super gray. We'll get into the ending a little bit later. But the ending is gray as far as like how do you feel about the way that ends and well, like where where certain people end up. The, the moment that, like, I guess that leads me to believe that and we hope, I guess, like, as a viewer, we, we see it and we hope that it's true, is, like, the moment when they fall in the water and that song plays mm-hmm. and it's, like, it the, literally the words, I think, are the message that the movie is trying to, mm-hmm. uh, to send, which is, um, I think I wrote them down. Let me see. Um, it's like this chanting song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wrote so many things. Uh, was this before or after? But it's like everything working together all at once for mm-hmm. everything. There's everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. There is nothing that's not special. Like that, that, like, that. I think is the message that this movie's trying to say, you mm-hmm. know, is that everything is in the universe is working together and, mm-hmm. and there's a reason for all of it. And it's all trying to teach you something. Um, like the, the, the metaphors with the trash, right? Like I thought, I thought that was great. Like the use of trash for other things in this film mm-hmm. is I think a wonderful motif that's what that's what i actually wrote down i literally wrote down the same thing i said the motif of trash is super prevalent um we see we see trash adrift in the ocean with literal cries of help written on it you know little help me please yeah written on trash and the idea of the trash in the forest and in the ravine and the cheese puffs are junk food he's you know he's look you know junk food and trash being discarded junk that people like they said don't things that people don't want or perceive as as worthless things that are used up or broken or empty uh is such a a a great representation of how i think so many people feel 
that they are they are trashed. And even Manny at one point says, "You're you're trashed. That's why you're no one loves no you." One loves yeah, you. Uh, and and I, that is very much how uh, how Hank Paul Dando's character definitely perceives himself. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, why why did he get in a boat and go off into the ocean? You know, if to, you if if you logically track this movie. If you try, like, mm-hmm. if you logically track this film, it's very sad. Like, very sad. Because yeah. There's only really one explanation as to what's going on, and that is he uh, is a very, very sad young man, probably schizophrenic, who uh, has made camp outside of a house near a house of a woman he's in love with and has created a, an imaginary world that out of garbage and he's hallucinating the whole time, you know? And then at the end he breaks this hallucination to try to reach out to the girl he loves and is essentially like outcast. And, and then he slips back into his hallucination at the end, you know? And Mm -hmm. so like, that's the that's super depressing. Like that's really, really, really depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like the journey he goes on in that hallucination, there's a lot to be learned from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, to kind of just uh, circle back a little bit for me, and I love your interpretation of this theme of like everything is working in harmony, and like everything is beautiful in its own way. Right. And we as a society have kind of decided that certain things are, are prettier and more useful and more beneficial than other things. And we we have kind of put things in boxes. Right. Um, and this film is, is for me, is more is, is a little bit more about those boxes specifically in this idea of repression. For me, this film is about being repressed. Um, oh, yeah. And specifically, it's rep- repression hurts you, it isolates you, and eventually it kills you. So for me, yes, Manny is a representation of, of Hank for sure. Um, but even more so for me, I felt – and you even touched on this a little bit. So and that's where my mind went. I think that Manny particularly is a manifestation of Hank's inner child, right? Yeah. It's it's this idea of Manny, you know, he uh, sorry, Hank, his you know it's they allude to the fact that maybe he might have some kind of mental illness or or at the very least maybe like a social uh you know, social anxiety disorder of some sort. Yeah. Um uh they again a trigger warning here for this for this term. We use this word gets used a lot in the film and I think it's important for us to to acknowledge. Um he uses the word retarded that he he people have called him retarded um specifically his father uses that word to describe him don't like what do you want people to think you're retarded he says that several times um and so there is a a slight kind of allusion to that maybe he might have some kind of social anxiety disorder or a mental illness of some kind um and he his mother passed away when he was very young, so he was just with his dad, who obviously is repressed himself. 
um, and told him, you can't, you can't do this. You can't behave this way. You can't talk about this. You can't do this. And constantly telling him what he has to hide about himself. You don't want him to be weird, right? You don't want people yeah. to think you're weird. You have to hide these things about yourself, these weird things about you. Um, and so like Manny, uh, Hank repressed all that stuff, which eventually, in my opinion, killed his inner child, you know? Yes. And this is that moment of him literally giving self-care and attention to his inner child and bringing it back to life. Cause M- Manny is very childlike in a weird way. You know, he's, he has to be taught how to talk, how to, how to walk, how to, how, he literally is asking questions the way, you know, that's a, a developmental phase for children. The, like the question phase, right. Yeah. It's like they have yeah. to ask questions about everything. Um, Manny goes through the same thing. And so he is this child that is being brought to back to life kind of thing. Um, he, you know, they teaches him about sex and about masturbation and, and it's, it's, it's such an interesting, met, like you said, it's such an interesting metaphor for your, our inner child dies at some point. We kill it. Yeah. We kill yeah. our inner child when we get older, um, by telling it to stop being what it is. Stop, stop being childish. Stop thinking farts are funny. Like yeah. stop, stop. You're you're childish and you're weird. You need to stop. And that eventually that thing gets hidden away and dies. I get I trust me. I get this. No, I know. No, I know, man. That's <laughs> I think that's why again, that's also personally why I connect to this film a lot is because I think a lot of actors and performers and artists can really can really connect to this film because that is something that we are taught to connect with once again. Right? Yeah. And it is a muscle to be like, you gotta let yourself be silly. You got to let yourself free. You can't like repress. Acting is all about expressing those emotions. Yeah. You can't repress yeah. those things because uh, you're not and giving it the performance. Then. Even even more so, I think if you go down the comic route, right? Like, like if you are a comedian, you have to be willing to let your brain make connections and say things that other people don't. Like, like you. you you have to be an, a thought explorer, not just play. You have to like, you have to like go into the cavities of hu- of human existence mm. and um, man, I didn't know we were going to go this route. Uh, so I've, so one of the books that I read um, as a kid that really like affected me uh, was Catcher in the Rye. And like, it's so cliche to like, say I read Catcher mm-hmm. in the Rye, but I read Catcher in the Rye really young. I read it like at, um, 10, 10 or 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, the imagery always stuck with me, um, of, of, you know, the guy that stands on the cliff, um, to like stop the other kids from, mm-hmm. from going over. And to me, that's kind of what a comedian is, right? Like a comedian, it's a comedian's job to go to the places that everybody else is afraid to go to stop everybody else from going over, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and that, that's what this movie is doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like this movie is highlighting those places. I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought a little bit there. It's okay. Um, but so, so remind me, you were saying 
uh, idea of repression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Us killing, you know, having to kill off our inner child. Yeah. Um, and, so, and you're right. Like we as artists, we have to dive back into our, you know, our inner child and that that thing that's inside us is so instinctual and so innocent, and it, it just feel it. You, it, it just responds to things in such visceral ways, right? And yeah. uh, as artists, we are taught to dive into that. Uh, I listen to this great podcast called The Screenwriter's Life. Uh, uh, and uh, they always talk about this thing called uh, going into the lava. So this idea that there's something underneath us that is burning and hot and dangerous. And But if you're going to be a good – especially if you're going to be a good writer, if you're going to be a good actor, you yeah. need to go – and you need to go into the lava and it's going to burn and it's going to hurt. But like that's it. where – that's exactly. Lean into it. That's where yeah. the the worthwhile stuff is. Especially, But it's scary. I mean it's, it's scary. It's scary. And they, like, and they even like – they even like – they even – and this is where it gets like on the borders of what this film is saying. And like even this, this film even addresses how it is scary. And like pushes your own ability to accept it, and I think it's intentional. You know, mm-hmm. um, like society ha- does have lines for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are social boundaries and mores for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this film definitely challenges those. But it even goes as far as to challenge ones that we don't want challenged, mm-hmm. um, and. I think it raises the question. So how should we deal? Like, how should we deal with that? You know, mm-hmm. like maybe, maybe not talking about it is not the answer, mm-hmm. you know, like, like the moments at the end, the two moments that they really like, well, yeah. So like what they do such a good job with is they do such a good job when, when it's just Manny and Hank in the woods of getting you on their side. Especially yeah. Manny's side, because Manny is like saying, "Why does it have to be this way? Like, why can't you just like, why? Wh- what is weird? Wh- like, you don't have to be weird." I mean, weird just- is the 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 speech that just like is like the best one and or up there for Remember me. When he's sitting in the tree and that one, there's like oh, my best friend like, what fart with around me and that one. Yeah, yeah and he's like, speech. he's like, why can't we say what we think? Mm-hmm. You know, you ever think about that, like? Like we all, we all are thinking things and none of us are saying anything. And it's because we're afraid of other people judging our thoughts. But the truth is we all have thoughts that were, that are not necessarily good talking, you know, but, but we all have them. And if we were able to like at least express them, then maybe we wouldn't feel so alone and be afraid of those things. It's the mm-hmm. fear that consumes you. It's the fear mm-hmm. of it that consumes you. Well, so it's like, exactly, well, exactly, exactly. And that's what this where this film starts is is we we don't know how we don't know Hank yet, but the film starts with him on a small, tiny island, deserted island, by himself. He's he's this fear and this repression has literally isolated him by himself to the point where he's going to waste away and die. Um, and only, and I think this is so interesting. So we, when we meet Manny, he's, he, uh, gosh dang, when we meet Hank, they're the same person. (laughs) When we meet Hank, he's getting ready to hang himself. He's got the noose around his neck. 
He's literally teetering on a box, preparing to do it. He's, but he's humming a a tune that his mother used to sing to him when he was a child, and it was a lullaby that she would use to help calm him down when he was feeling upset and anxious. Um, but he doesn't remember the words, so sometimes he'll just substitute in his own words, or he just kind of hums and mumbles along to the melody. But it's interesting that this corpse arrives when he's reconnecting to his childhood, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's when this corpse arrives to rescue him. He reconnects with something in himself, and that's when he's able to start to come back. Yeah. Which I think is really well done, because you don't know that about him yet, but when you retroactively look into it, like after a few viewings of this, you're like, wow. And that happens several times throughout the film when like, He's he's stuck like he's he's thirsty. He has no water to drink. He is, starts to get upset. And he starts singing his lullaby, and Manny starts to wake up more. The more he sings this lullaby, and connects with his well, the memory of his mother. And I think that inner child is what is more connected to the rest of the universe, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like this. The societal version of man is very, very disconnected to like what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Like, I mean, he did try to kill himself, mm-hmm. you know, and the rope broke, you know, mm-hmm. and then he goes back up with a stronger rope. <laughs> but it's like not, but like somehow this thing, whatever it is, is speaking to him in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah, like there is this, there is something about kids. There's something about your inner child that is connected to the bigger picture more purely, more, um, there is more viscerally. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think it is that, that openness that children have, right? They're just so open to what's going on around them that they, because they haven't been taught to close off to it, that they can just respond to it as it's happening. Kids are just so in the moment because, because they're just like, "Ah, ah, look at that, look at that. And their thoughts come to them so quickly and they act on them so quickly that because they haven't been taught to filter themselves. And which makes them very connected, but also, you know, a lot of people will say that's why kids suck. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. why like kids are difficult because they don't have a filter. They don't know how to censor themselves. They don't know how to like t- separate their thoughts into, oh, I should do this or I should not do this. They don't, they yeah. don't know that, which yeah. is both, which is both a good thing because they, they are so open and, and unimpeded, but also it can be dangerous for them. In a lot of ways, like the impulse to run into the middle of the street, like bad impulse, (laughs) you know, dangerous. So like they have to be taught to filter, which is hard for them. It's difficult. Oh, dude, man. There's like so much going through my head with this, with all this right now. Like, I mean, this is, this is like, this is the thing that I am most, I think, mad about in life. Mm -hmm. Like, um, this is the thing that like, this is why this movie connected with me so much is because it's like, in order to like get at good art and to like 
do what we want to do, we have to let that little, little kid run free. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And not only that, but like, if we're talking about how, if we're even, even like, there's such an oxymoron, there's such a, like a, a contradiction to what society wants out of you. Mm-hmm. Right. Like even re- like from spirituality perspective, like the Bible says, come to me as little children. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you can't like you, you will not find God unless you come to him as a child. Right. Mm. So it's like to maintain this childlike mentality is the right thing to do in a way. So like, in, so like, for example, you and I went through uh, the improv community. Right. And mm. I think this is like another great example of, of what we're talking about here mm. is like, we took that the childlike play mentality, literally, mm-hmm. you know, and that is how you learn to improvise. Like, and you're mm-hmm. going to learn a whole lot more if you, if you approach uh, improvisation from a childlike perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, it's 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 what it's, again. This is one of the reasons why I think that Manny it represents the uh, Hank's inner child is because when you're a kid, you can do anything. Yes. You can do yes. anything, and that's why he's the Swiss. He's the Swiss Army man. He's the your, yeah. he's the multi tool, multi purpose tool guy, because yeah. a child can do anything. Yes, you know. But if you let that thing run free, mm-hmm. you are going to be judged and told you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And like, like in the improv community, especially, it's very complicated complex you know mm-hmm. because you're literally up there trying to be unfiltered trying to you know and like this is something i struggle with hard there was like i'm actually very good at taking down my filter like mm-hmm. i'm very good once i once i choose to take down the filter it's like a light switch mm-hmm. you know but then my filter's down and you'll never know what's going to come out you know what i mean and if you're in an environment where you think that's it's safe to let that filter down and then you're told, no, it's uh, actually okay to let that filter down here. It can be, it's comp- it's hard. It's hard because it's like, you feel like you were betrayed in a mm-hmm. weird way because you were told that you aren't weird, that you have these thoughts mm-hmm. and that it's okay to let them out in this environment. And, and so like, it's like, yeah, like keeping that little kid alive is so difficult. Yeah. It's so hard. And like, especially in our industry where it's like, it's like, okay, keep letting that little kid out. But then it becomes like a little child star that's been judged and, you know, it becomes like a, like a crystallized version of itself. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, it's there, but it's not what it once was. And it's just it, like every time you put it out there, it's receiving rejection, 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 rejection. And it's like not – it's the society actually doesn't want your inner child. Yeah. this Well, yeah. You you know, artists – you're right. Artists are told to let their inner child out and yeah. then it gets it gets hit by a car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And then it's even harder to let that child out again. Yeah. And, it's, and it's – yeah. The phrase I've come up with is – we want you to be yourself, but not too much yourself and only yourself. Like, what was it? It's like, it's like be yourself, but not too much yourself. And don't try to be yourself. Like, like, 
we don't want you to try too hard to be yourself, but you mm. should be yourself. It's like the idea not, of you're, you're cool if you don't try to be cool. Yeah, but not overly yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like – or like be, this, be the version of yourself that we think you are. Yeah. Like that's, that, that's if you're if you if you're not being the version of yourself that I think you are, you're not being yourself. Yeah, I don't believe yeah. you. Um, like, and and yeah, you let that person out. And like some phrases, I I wrote down a few of the phrases that that Hank says to Manny. Things like things like, how do you expect anyone to want to talk to you if you sound retarded? Um, and um, the whole like you, uh, you you shouldn't mumble. Uh, you're disgusting, useless sack of shit. Uh, you can't just say everything that comes into your head. That's bad talking. Uh, and then obviously there's the whole conversation of like masturbation and how Hank associates – has a, a sexual stunting and a sexual trauma in that he connects masturbation with this thing that his mother said to him. Yeah, yeah. And so he like has trouble sexually expressing himself because yeah. he because he connects it to – a trauma in a way. And that is so, and, and he even says like people, you you know, you can't say that you have this problem because then people will call you names and make fun of you. Like as soon as you express that you have a problem, that's maybe abnormal, something that you're struggling with people. He's like, people will say you're weird. They'll, they'll make fun of you. They'll ridicule you. It, it, it's hard, you know? And it's something that I think I personally struggle with a lot of like, I mean, we've talked about this in the podcast in the past. I feel hyper filtered and hyper, hyper, uh, like I control of myself because I'm so viscerally afraid to upset people. Yeah. And, and like I have a, I would say I definitely have a self worth issue, uh, in a lot of ways. I definitely feel like I don't value myself very much. Yeah. It, it's not like a self confidence thing, it's not like I don't believe that I'm good at stuff. Um, but just cause you think you're good at something doesn't mean you think you're worth anything, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, and so I think like this idea of like trash, um, poop, your, your shit, yeah. basically this idea of poop comes up a lot. We're going to get turned into poop. Um, yeah. uh, it, it is something that really, I feel a lot in this idea of like, um, it's hard for me to express myself cause I'm very much afraid that very right away. I'm going to get judged or I'll upset somebody um, or I'll offend somebody. And so like it is – I very much am holding holding myself like tightly like this Yeah, because no, it's I, scary. I get it. I mean I, I said I said this week uh, to my therapist actually like I feel like I am in a cage that I, I've created, a mental prison that I have caged for myself, that I've made for myself and – uh, most of the time. So it's like, and when I'm most vulnerable is when I get out, <laughs> like, like if I can escape, it's usually pretty ugly and it's also horrifying for me, yeah. you know? And, uh, but the, but the truth is, is like, okay. So saying what you said, like we are all shit, you know? And so like, there is, I think, comfort to be had in that in a weird way. Like, well, the, there's a, the great part of the movie where it, Manny's up in the tree and and Hank's getting dragged away by, to get eaten by a bear. Yeah, and they're just having this moment of an acceptance of 
of where they are, what they are part of the universe, right? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be returned to the earth and become one with everything again. You know, my shit is going to get mixed into everybody else's shit. Yeah, uh, all of me is going to be part of all of everything, and this idea of Hank feels disconnected from everybody because he's feel like he's he's feel like he has to hide himself. Yeah. And for the first time in like this idea of like when I die, I will finally be reconnected with everything because I felt so separated for so long. So there is this idea of like shit is is like the great equalizer, right? Every everything poops. The so I gotta I gotta highlight the the use of the bear. I think is also pretty awesome. Um, I don't know if this was I I. I it's a, a nice uh, coincidence if if it is a coincidence. I don't know. But I think the bear was a great choice um, because – so did you know um, Shakespeare only ever wrote one stage direction? Mm-hmm. And you, you so. What's that? I said, yes, I do. But please continue for the audience. Uh, do you know what the stage direction was? Uh, I, I believe it's something – I don't know if this is word for word. Uh Exit stage left, pursued by a bear, something like that. Exit pursued by a bear. Exit pursued by a bear. And and what happens is, uh, one of the characters is like chased out by a bear and eaten, essentially. Mm -hmm. And we don't we don't know. uh, I think it was in Winter's Tale. Mm -hmm. I'm not totally sure, but uh, we don't know. We don't know what. Like we never see him again, Mm -hmm. right? But it's the only stage direction. He ever wrote. There's something in and that. There's something in that, and I think it's a pun. Mm. I think it's. Um, I think exit pursued by a bear because Shakespeare just always has double meaning in mm. almost everything he does. So I think it's like his little inside joke that we know, like this guy dies, but what kills him is nothing, right? Like bear is a pun mm. for life is a bear. Mm-hmm. But it's all. But something that is bare mm-hmm. is nothing. Mm-hmm. It's barren, mm-hmm. and so I think. I mean, I think that's relevant to what this movie is saying. Is like, yeah, life is a bear that's going to eat you. But in the end, it's all shit anyway. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's all, it's all nothing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and I think we'd be remiss to not highlight the uh, the farts of it all. Uh, since yeah. that is such a main story and like the idea of like these farts playing such a huge part into this story um, with specifically the very first fart of the film is when Manny washes up on the shore of this island and Hank runs over to him to check if he's alive thinking that he might be finally with somebody once again to discover it's this the dead body and the very first thing that happens is this body farts on him. Yeah. And what is the first thing that Hank says? That's disgusting. No, he says, that's, he says, oh, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> he says, oh, that's funny. <laughs> Later he says, oh, that's disgusting. And oh, like, that's not funny. But like the first yeah, thing yeah. he says, oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there is this like seriousness of the moment, right? And like, he's about to kill himself. And then it's just like, Mm. you know and it's just like it breaks the tension it does and 
And it I releases think, the tension. Yeah. And like, that's, it's so important. Like this is, I mean, this is like something I've pursued my whole life, right? Like growing up in church, uh, you know, doing theater, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and even, I mean, the improv world, like there's, there's something about, it's a little uptight, a little, uh, uptight yeah. speaker. like, it's just like, it's just like the, these, I think it's any, any societal little microcosm. Yeah. Yeah. It's they, 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 they get their rules and they take their rules and they have to have them. They have to have squeeze it. They squeeze it tight. Squeeze their rules so tight. And, uh, and like I, it drives me crazy. It drives me there. There's nothing. There's nothing like, it's just when things are that heavy, it's just like, come on, somebody like rip a fart right here. You know? Well, that's what, that's what's so great about the, the this, what's, this is weird to say, but the sim, symbology of the farts is the farts are this, one of the simplest forms of repression. I think that everybody can relate to yeah. this idea of you don't fart in public. When you fart in public, you, you're, you're, you're disgusting. You're, you're gross. You're that's, you're ill-mannered you have bad etiquette like we all fart like it's a natural biological thing we all do it but like we're told like you can't do it in public though you can't fart around anybody yeah and and it it, it, what's really interesting to me is is children think farts are funny i think a lot of people think farts are funny but it's considered childish to think farts are funny because we haven't been told that they're that they're improper and it's so interesting that throughout this film Manny uh, Hank will not fart in front of a dead body. <laughs> he literally walks away to fart in private around a, a corpse. He's that repressed. Hysterical. That montage is hysterical. He's like, of him like. Yeah. <laughs> He's literally that repressed that he can't fart around a dead body. Yeah. And and. It's, and here's something interesting to me. So he's walking through the forest with Manny on his back and Manny just keeps farting. And at one point he starts getting really frustrated about it. And what does he do? Puts he, a cork in it. He puts a cork in his ass. Yeah. He, he forcibly represses Manny the way yeah. that people have forcibly repressed him. Yeah. And and at the end Which of the film. Also oh, kind of a dark sex act. So it's almost that's what like. He, it, well, Manny even brings it up. Was that sex? It's like, no, it was not. Stop talking about it. <laughs> yeah. So it's like his act of repression actually lead to some, led to something darker, you know, mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, a, a trauma, a, yeah. potentially a, a sexual trauma. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is kind of like something that he experienced when his mom is like, you know, talking to him about masturbation. Yeah. Um, uh, but then the film ends. Well, so then he runs into the woman that, we essentially come is alluded to that he's been stalking um, because like we see the one picture that he has on his phone of her that he took on the bus. But then when the cops are interviewing her, they say like flip through these pictures. So there has to be more pictures, you know, than just that one that's on the screen that yeah. he has to have more pictures. We don't get to see any of those pictures. Cause like, it's not like he would go on to their, this guy's Instagram and, and be like, Oh look, he has all these pictures of your Instagram on his phone. It's like everybody has pictures of your Instagram on your phone. They just go to your page. So he yeah. has to have pictures of her. Yeah. We don't get to see them. So it's, it's, it's kind of touched on that. Maybe he's stalked her for a while. And you're right. Like this idea of like, this stuff is not far away from her house. This whole like little camp that he set yeah. up enough that they can run into the woods and find it pretty quickly. 
Yeah. Um, so it's it's pretty dark in this like idea of he's hiding and, and a little dark. And the little girl, when Manny farts, says first thing she says is that's gross. Yeah. And Manny's like, it's not gross. And and it's, this it's like this little girl's already been indoctrinated, right? She's right. already been repressed. Her mother has already taught her farts are gross. Don't fart in front of people. But it, I mean, but this this is literally the moment that you have to take the other side into account too, mm-hmm. right? Well, that's exactly right because there's – again, guys, there's, there's some – this film dives into some really weird, uncomfortable places. So there's there's that moment where Hank is teaching Manny about sex, right? And he, he gets well, an erection. We have, we have been conditioned – so in the film, the way they justify is awesome. Mm-hmm. They condition you to realize that Manny's erection is what's guiding them home. Mm-hmm. So, so like you're used to seeing Manny's erect, and it's a in a funny way. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's not gross. Yeah, they do. It's it not gross. gross. It's such an innocent way. Well, even at that first time he gets that erection, he says, "I'm disgusting. My body is disgusting. Yeah. I hate yeah. myself." When he gets yeah. his first erection, which exactly. I think is something that we go through in puberty of like this idea of like my body is behaving in a way I don't understand, and it it grosses. It I think it's gross and disgusting, and I don't. Well, and you're kind of told it is. Yeah. Like, like you shouldn't touch like math like masturbation's wrong. Oh, uh, dude! I, I mean, I went to a Catholic school growing up as far, as far as like my actual like education, and so we had a class called In God's Image, where they they yeah. talked to us about puberty, and it was super uncomfortable uh, yeah. to have a, a, a nun tell you these things. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> but so, <laughs> like, we've established that okay, we're comfortable with. His this being his, it's, his... It's, it's it's innocent. His erection is innocent yeah, in a weird yeah, way. It's yeah. it's really brilliant as a filmmaker. It, oh my yeah, God. it is innocent. And then right at the end, when this kid's there, the erection radar goes off. Well, he I think he shows he like goes to show her. He's like, no, yeah, look, yeah. like I'm I can do all yeah. these amazing things. He th- again, he's innocent in this. He doesn't get yeah, it. Yeah. He's like, look at what this thing can do. And he like shows her and immediately man- Hank smacks it away and says, no, yeah, yeah. you can't no, do no, that. You can't do that. Yeah. Which I mean is true. Like you shouldn't. And it is this, this is where like these societal things are important. You know what I mean? Like, like it's an atrocity to show to, your erection to a child, to show your erection to a child. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's like, that's when it gets like, really real well that's right? it's such a you're right it's it's this film is so good and not being like no we should all be open and nothing you know we all should just accept everything about ourselves and we should all just talk about everything to everybody and it's all okay it's like no there are like there are traumas that can be given from doing that but it's just like the cork right like yeah. it was a trauma that was as a result of him being lost in the woods for that long you know, mm-hmm. like if he had not received other traumas, if he had just like been permitted before that, then he would never have gotten to the point of doing that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like we have to show we have to show that like the environments that we're creating are creating worse traumas. You know what I mean? And it's the question of uh, is there – is there a better way to acknowledge like, hey, like there are some things that socially maybe are, are 
good to avoid. Not, but like, I mean, obviously we can talk about therapy being a great place that, where it's appropriate to yeah. express yeah. those types of things. Like this is a space where you can talk about that stuff where we can work through those things instead of you bottling them up, internalizing them yeah. and isolating yourself. Like, like I think it has to be like, it can't just be we we hide these things or we don't hide these well, things. Like there's safe spaces to do those things, and, and there art, are not. I think art is another one. Like this podcast for us is a safe space for us to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you, if you don't, like we were saying with Stephen King last time with the Dark Knight podcast, mm-hmm. that like Stephen King needed an outlet to get all these dark thoughts out of his head. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and he created that. Now <laughs> I think you should have realistic expectations. You know, like if you try to, if you try to be vulnerable in your art, it's not necessarily all it's, you're not going to get rich and famous. So that can't be your, that can't be your end goal. You know what I mean? Mm. Like your end goal. If you're, if your art, I think being vulnerable in your art is the best way to create, art that is genuine and more likely um, to be recognized by another human being, but it's not always, you can't, you can't, um, you can't expect it to always be recognized for a couple reasons. One is everybody's different. And two, not everyone is willing to, not everyone is willing to look in the mirror. So like therapy is definitely a safe space for expression. Um, like art can be a safe space for expression, but um, like, for example, like when I mentioned in the dark Knight um, podcast, like Stephen King has all these dark thoughts and he was able to put them in a book and people enjoyed it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think what's important to remember is that like, it's not guaranteed that people are going to enjoy it. Like, right. Yeah. You have to like, like, I think, being vulnerable in your art is a great way to find things that people are going to connect with. And uh, like, you know, you could think connect is the right word connect to, but you can't make people see what they need to see. Sometimes they're not ready for it. Sometimes culture society isn't ready for what needs to be seen, you know? Mm. And, uh, everybody's different. You know what I mean? So like it's, it's it's important to have realistic expectations that if you're going to use your art to express yourself, it's not going to, you're not going to bat a thousand. You're definitely not going to bat a thousand. Mm. Like you're, you're going to be criticized and, but at least you're getting it out, you know, or you don't even have to get it out. You can just do it and then, and then not show people. Exactly. You know? Uh, and just to kind of start to wrap it up here, the very final moment, because the end, honestly, the ending is super ambiguous. You're not quite sure exactly what's going on. Um, so I want to kind of pick your brain about what you think is going on in the ending here. Um, so at the end, uh, there, uh, may, uh, Hank has been rescued. Uh, the, you know, they're going to take him away. He's going to get interviewed. Uh, um, and they're going to take Manny away as he's just this unidentified body dead body that doesn't have any idea or anything so like the coroner's taking him away um and hank unable to let go of manny 
takes him and steals him, brings him back to the to the shore, to the coast, uh, and tries to reawaken Manny after Manny's kind of gone dormant in a way. And uh, how Hank does that is by farting in front of everybody, which is for him the first time he's farted in front of anybody throughout the whole movie, including this dead body. And so that's a big moment for him of like, I'm not repressing this anymore. I'm setting myself free in a way of like this constraint that even his father has put on him and everybody else's, you know, some people have different reactions to it. You know, some people are grossed out by it. Some people are, the cop is like, are you, are you serious, man? Yeah. Some people are upset by it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's, and that's like what I'm just, what I'm saying about art, you know, like people are going to have different reactions and you, I think doing it is important, but you got to mm-hmm. realize that it's not always going to be received well, mm-hmm. you know? And, and what happens is Manny does wake up. He starts farting again and he farts his way off into the ocean and into the sunset like a jet ski. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it's, you know, the music swells and it's supposed to be kind of this inspiring ending. So we see that obviously Hank's happy about it. Hank's father smiles in almost like awe. Uh, Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winston's character, seems pretty confused and disgusted by it. Um, yeah. But it seems like everybody's seeing it. But that could be just a, a, a metaphor. you know. So what do you think is actually going on here at the end? Do you think everybody is seeing what what – hank is seeing or do you think that this is in his own mind we're not supposed to know Mm -hmm. um i I mean i think it's both right like Mm -hmm. so i (laughs) i mean i think if it's reality it's in his own mind Mm -hmm. right like like but through the magic of cinema and storytelling we can create like, perceptions and is there is, is yeah is this a magical realism type yeah of, type yeah of it's, it is, it's it's magic like it is magical realism but if we're following logic it's not so you have to, like you have to hold both in your head when you think about this because mm-hmm. the idea the ideal is hopeful right mm-hmm. the ideal is, is that this kid can let his fart out which wakes up his inner child and we're all on his page again mm-hmm. you know he's that's free what he's free like we that's what we want as the audience Mm. but the truth is and they say this in the movie uh that this is just his and we didn't talk much about it but this is just his mind's tricking itself to Mm. into survival Mm -hmm. you know and like i think he is getting arrested and so his brain is created slipped back into this hallucination Mm -hmm so he can keep going, you know, like a lot of us, a lot of us are crazy because it gets us there. Yeah. Oh no, this ending is really, is it, you're right. When you, you can look at it either, you could try and just be hopeful or you can look at it as in real, more realistic view where, um, yeah, this guy it's, it's implied that he's stalked, he's stalking Sarah, you know, he's got pictures of her, he he there's one moment that never is is so subtle and never really gets addressed but one of the one of the like corners 
looks at Hank and says, "Hey, do like, do I know you? I, I recognize you from somewhere." And he says that, and it's never yeah. really touched on. It's even almost like very like in the background, almost like you only hear yeah. it like very like low volume, and that like gives you even more of ideas. Like, is Hank? Did he? Is he know like a criminal of some sort, or is he like on the lam basically? Yeah, like that he did something bad, and people would recognize his face as like being this this mentally ill person that that ran like fled some kind of crime. It, it's never really addressed. Yeah, um, I don't know, but it's interesting because the guy yeah. it's very clearly there. He's like, hey. Do I know you? I, I think I recognize you. It's very clearly said, but it's never elaborated on, which is interesting. Who is? Well, I mean, Hank he is a missing exactly. person. He right. is a missing person. And I don't know. Like, there's just so much, like, this Hank's story is how people get to where get to this sadness. Like it's, it's like, this is a really great like telling of how somebody gets to a place, uh, an unimaginable place, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so entrenched in their own perception that they're unreachable, you know? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it is because of fear, you know, and it's because they don't know how to deal with the thoughts. Like, like we all have these, like, again, we all have thoughts and we all have thoughts that we we're not supposed to talk about, but we have to talk about them mm-hmm. or we become isolated and alone. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how we go crazy. This is a thought. And this is a thought. And this is a thought. There's that moment where Manny's having memories, but, yeah. Hank is seeing them and he's saying, stop. What are you doing? I'm thinking. Well, stop thinking. I yeah. can't. This is a thought. And I this mean, is a thought. And this that's, is a thought. I mean, my, my, like, you know, I've smoked weed, right? Mm-hmm. And like, my thoughts are the most scary thing, mm-hmm. you know, like they're the most scary thing I've ever experienced. And it's like, and, and if you smoke weed, your thoughts get away from you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, there was a time in my life where I was like, really terrified of my own brain because Mm. it's like, what is like, what am I capable of thinking? You know? Mm. And you're always, you're always capable of thinking more, Mm -hmm. you know? So like it's being, we've said this before, being a person is terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Mm. And it's like, the only thing we really have is each other in terms of being able to deal with that. And it's just sad that we're not able to like, it's so great when you can finally connect with somebody and they get you, you know, Mm -hmm. and we, we have created a world where we limit the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This film is, it has so many different layers to it and it is dark and is absurd and it is sad but it, there is a optimism about it in a weird way, even in its its sadness and its and its honestly like realistic implications. 
there's a hopefulness to it. Like maybe, yeah. maybe in real, like in the real story, like Hank does get arrested. Hank does go to jail, you know, but he, in his journey, he's, he's re brought himself back to life and maybe he can get the help that he needs now. He's, and maybe he'll come out better. He's not dead. No, no he's he not dead. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe now he can find life again. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it might be in prison. It might be in jail, but like maybe he's, maybe he will live a better life now that he <laughs> discovered this part of him and brought it back to life. Yeah. Which I think is profound in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seth, thank you so much for talking about this movie with me. I think. Yeah, man. I one think of my, it's... it's one of my favorite movies that we've talked about. It, I know this one's probably not going to, a lot of people out there might not listen to this one because it is a movie that's way off the beaten path. Um, but I, I was do. so glad. Yeah. I was so glad to be able to talk this about is, it with you. This is the kind of movie that I want our listeners to listen to. Exactly. To, to view because yeah. this is like, this is what we're doing with this podcast is trying to have these conversations. Exactly. Exactly. And, and like I said, there was no, I don't think I could have ever found a better reason than, than the fact that these directors have another movie coming out. I was like, this is the, like maybe the only opportunity to bring this up without it being kind of out of nowhere. (laughs) Um, So I was glad to be able to do that. Um, So Seth, it is your turn to pick a film. Yeah. um, So I took a suggestion from, uh, of anything uh, at Sarah. all? <laughs> My Sarah. Uh, not of anything at all. But um, so um, I've never seen this movie. Um, we're going to do As Good As It Gets. Oh, okay. Classic. Yeah. As I've never seen it. it. It's definitely a pivot. Definitely a pivot. But okay. um, uh, I'm, I'm seeing where people can fan, watch so. it. So oh. uh, it looks like As Good As It Gets, You can, it's available to watch on Vudu, Amazon Prime, uh, YouTube uh, and Apple TV. Uh, so, uh, but they're all you, you know. Got to pay a little bit of money for it. You know, but like a red. I box. also use Redbox almost for everything. Hey, Redbox is like a Redbox rental. So, yeah. Yeah. so uh, yeah. So, guys, as good as it gets, that classic film. I'm so excited. This is a, this is a movie that I think is fun because it is like a movie that people like to talk about a lot, and it is a classic in its own right. I'm so excited. Good choice. All right. Good recommendation, Sarah. Um, Seth, why don't you go ahead and shout yourself out real quick? Where can people find you and what else you're doing? Oh, um, of course, our Ravenloft campaign on Character Player. You can find Ricky and I both um, on Twitch and YouTubes and Spotify and Apple Music, all those places. That's Character Player. And then you can listen to me on my uh, uh, podcast called The Crowcast. That's T-H-E space C-R-O-W-E-C-A-S-T. Uh, the Crowcast, and it's me in sunglasses is the image. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, if you want to explore the void with me, uh, that's where you can do that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, please uh, follow our D&D podcast. That is, yeah, uh, at Character Player on Instagram, TikTok, uh, and Facebook, uh, and YouTube. Uh, we stream every Monday at 7.15 PT, uh, so you can check out that. And also, um, please uh, like, follow, and share the What's It About Film podcast. Uh, we are really enjoying doing this podcast, and we would love 
to get more people involved in the conversation. You guys can make rep- recommendations for films that we might uh, watch down the line. Uh, engage with you know the conversation here. We would love to hear what you guys think, uh, and we would love to share our thoughts with you all. So please, you know, add us whenever you want. Uh, we are at the What's It About Film Podcast on Instagram. Please do. All right. We will see you guys next week when we will be watching As Good As It Gets, if you're watching along. But until then, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Bye. Adios. That's funny.